The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, we made the heaven and the earth and the who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the gentles, Gentiles rage and the people, people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you for this day. Because of your grace, we are here. Uh, thank you that you're allowing us to be in this place, to be in this space, to be together, Lord, to learn more about you. Um, we pray that, we, that you show us what boldness is like for us to be out there for your to be your hands and your feet i pray that you bless randall as he speaks and use him lord to speak to us we love you and we thank you in jesus name amen amen thank you a uh, good morning church family uh this morning you know i come with a heavy heart because i think this week as a as a nation, we're grieving. You know, we're grieving, I think, even as a church family. And I think it hits me personally in a lot of ways. Um, you know, my grandfather, um, he was a prisoner of war in World War II, got a Purple Heart. Uh, my mom's uncle was the first person to, 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 to catch a prisoner at uh, Pearl Harbor. My brother is an officer in the Marine Corps. And so, I mean, there's, there's a lot of sacrifice, I think has happened even in my own family when I think of um, those, my loved ones. Um, but then also the realities that my family has faced because my, my, my mom and my dad, you know, they're of different races. And, and when we moved uh, to a particular place in the Midwest, there were times where my family was denied service because they looked at my dad and they looked at my mom and they were different colors. And I tell you that because there are deep-rooted things in our lives that are there that we have to be able to say that's not right. It's wrong. And as a Christian, you know, I, I'm, I'm speaking to us as a church family this morning. Jesus said in Mark 3, if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. 
says, if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. Here's the thing. Our allegiance as the church, first and foremost, has to be to Jesus, to the ways of Jesus, to the word of God. Because here's what happens when it's not. We lose the ability to say what's right and what's wrong. We lose the ability to critique the idols that we've placed our faith in. And so my hope as a church family is that we can critique idols that are not of God. Because Jesus, God says, no other gods before me. He says, do not use my name in vain. And so church family, as we think about this week, as we ask the Holy Spirit to really critique the things that are, are deep down in our hearts and in our lives, I pray that God will purge some of those things that we put our, our faith in above Jesus. And so my heart has been heavy this week. And I think as a church family, we need to be united. All right, there's calls for unity right now. But my call first is and foremost is to the church, right? We've, we've got different backgrounds. We've got different experiences. We've got different belief systems. But at the end of the day, this is what holds us together. Amen? It's Jesus that holds us together. And so let's seek Jesus together this morning because I think that above anything else, that's what we need. We need to seek Christ in this time. And so we've been going through the book of Acts and we've been looking at what the church is about. Right? What, what, what was the church about from the very beginning? Let's get back to what this is about. And so we're looking at Acts 4, 23 through 31 today. And here's the message. In authentic faith. In authentic faith. How are we going to stay united? How are we going to move forward as Christians in this country? It's through an authentic faith. What is it that we're placing our faith in? Well, Oz Guinness, who's an author, said this. He says that Christians are called to be a separate and distinct people. Our call is to the narrow rather than the broad way. For followers of Jesus, the voice of the people must never be taken as the voice of God. The voice of the people must never be taken as the voice of God. And what I'm seeing right now is there's a number of people who've got a lot of different opinions and a lot of different voices that are out there. But let's get back to what is the narrow way. What's the voice of God? What is he saying here? And I do want to say that there are people who are taking the word of God and misinterpreting it. They're mixing idols with God's word. And so I do need to say this. If anyone thinks that the new Israel, right, that we're talking about in Romans chapter 11, when, when the apostle Paul starts talking about the new Israel, or we start applying America to the Old Testament, friends, 
That's, that's not what it's talking about here. We do need to be clear about that. We have made ourselves the center of this book. We're not. God is the center of this book, and he is writing history as we follow him. And so anybody that's equating America with the new Israel, you want to know what the new Israel is? Christians, believers in Jesus, a global church that loves Christ, that have been grafted in as believers in Jesus. See, we are a distinct people. We are a different people. We're set apart people. And so you're not going to fall into any categories that people are trying to put you in. It's going to be different. So my question today is this, like, okay, how did early Christians, the early church, live courageously on this narrow path of Jesus during difficult and uncertain times? Because you know what? There were difficult and uncertain times happening right here in the book of Acts. In today's text, we're going to see three marks of an authentic faith. Here's what they are. Number one, accepting adversity. Number two, drawing near. Number three, extraordinary resilience. Accepting adversity, drawing near, extraordinary resilience. Okay, and so number one, accepting adversity. Look at verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Now let's start out. The first point, we can kind of skip over it, but here's what it is. In the first four words, here's, here's what it says. When they were released. Released from what? Well, they were released. Back in verse 3, it says they were arrested. They were put into custody. They were released, released from prison. <laughs> okay? So the early Christians, so James and John, who we're talking about here, they were put into custody for what? For doing good. And sharing Jesus. For doing good and sharing Jesus. So what did the persecution that was brought upon these early believers, what was that for? It was for loving a man who was an outcast, healing him and, 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 and bringing him into a new life. Okay? So he was, a, he was, he was somebody who was an outcast, brought in, healed, and actually becomes a member of the church. Okay? So different... So doing good. But then they were also preaching and sharing the name of Jesus. And so there was persecution that was brought on them. Now up to this point, Christians received some mocking at first, right? You remember at Pentecost, we talked about this. They received some mocking at first. But for the most part, they had endured. They haven't endured much suffering. It says in previous chapters that they had grown numerically and also in favor with people. But there was a shift that was happening. Things were changing. And in verse 3, it tells us, or in, uh, in verse 23, it tells us that they were released from prison. And so look, look at the, the next part of verse 23. So it says, they reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Now, what did the chief priests and elders say to them? Well, they threatened them with punishment and death. 
And I'm sure that many who heard the reports that they were giving at that point started to feel a little bit of anxiety, started to be fearful, started to be confused. Now, I know that many of you, with all the reports that we hear on a daily basis, because I'm right there with you, there's, there's moments where there's, there's major anxiety, fear, confusion. See, here's what we need to understand today. As we, as we really think about the believers in this situation, they were real people just like you and me. Real people who had struggles and fears and confusion. But what we see is they get to this point where they start to accept that there's going to be adversity. That, that everything isn't going to be perfect and, and everything isn't going to be just great. But they accepted that there was going to be adversity. See, Jesus had already warned his disciples of hardship. And here's the thing. They watched Jesus be crucified. And so here's the deal. We worship a crucified Savior. And as Christians, we must accept that there will be adversity. One of my favorite parts in the Lord of the Rings, it's this beautiful trilogy of, of, of this story, this grand story of, of really, you know, going against what, what, the, the ring, you know, the, the power symbol. That would be the, the controlling thing of the world that they were in. And there was these little hobbits, not much to them, looked down upon, weak, but they were given the task of, of taking this ring of power to this really scary place, Mordor. No one else was able to take it. They were, they were so tempted by this ring, this power. And uh, these two characters, Samwise and, and Frodo, they, they have this friendship, the fellowship of the ring, the friendship And Frodo gets to this point where he says, okay, I'm going to take the ring. I'm going to do this alone. And, and there's this scene where he's just going off on, the own, on his own. And his friend Frodo is like, I'm going with you. And he's jumping in the water trying to swim out to him. And, and I'm going with you. So you can't swim, Samwise. You can't swim. And he goes back there and he grabs him and he's, and he brings him, he says, I, I, I'm going with you. Into the adversity, into the challenges, into the future ahead. I don't know. It's uncertain. There's a lot of, of things that, that, that are going to happen to us, but I'm with you. And as we, we look at these believers, I want us to get this picture of everything wasn't perfect for them. And the future they were going into was uncertain. But they said, you know what? We're together. We're going Elizabeth Elliot once said, she says, our vision is, is so limited, we can hardly imagine a love that does not show itself in protection from suffering. 
The love of God did not protect his own son. He will not necessarily protect us, not from anything it takes to make us like his son. A lot of hammering and chiseling and purifying by fire will have to go into the process. Friends, as we move forward into the future as believers in Jesus, there's going to be a lot of hammering, a lot of chiseling, a lot of purifying that's happening in us. We've got to ask all these different questions about what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to live out my faith? And that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing at all. So let me ask first, are you becoming more like Jesus through the challenges we are currently facing in our lives? Because I believe that in many ways, this is revealing what or who we truly worship. What or who we truly worship. Will I worship Jesus in the midst of the trials and the challenges? Through the disappointments. There's moments where we're just so disappointed. What is happening? But will I look to God through that? See, what did the believers do next? Well, it's this, drawing near. Look at verses 24 through 26 and then verse 28. And when they heard it, when they heard about the challenges, when they heard about the trials, what did they do? They lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. Do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. What's happening here? Well, first, they are drawing near to God in prayer. Right? They're hearing about the challenges. They're hearing about the trials. They're hearing about the things, the the threats of the leaders at the time. They're hearing about it, and and they come together in prayer. What do they say? Sovereign Lord who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. See, this expression for Lord is saying that God is the master of all things. Above any master, God is master. See, it's a unique word in the New Testament. And it's, it's this humble posture, accepting God as the ultimate leader and ruler. Right? It's, it's so easy to fix our eyes on the challenges and the problems of this world, but to fix our eyes on God as the sovereign Lord is where they started as believers. They said, God, you are sovereign. You are above all things. So that's where they start. But next, look at verse 25. What do they do? Well, they, they, they don't just draw near to God and the ideas that they have about God, but they draw near to God through Scripture. What they use here is Psalm 2. Why, why did the Gentiles rage, the peoples plot in vain, the kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed? This is Psalm 2. And here's the thing. 
again, how we interpret scripture, right? How we interpret things that we're going through and we try to put ourselves at the center of scripture. See, what can happen is they didn't put themselves as the ones that were uh, at the center of that text. Right? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. See, here's what can happen in our lives. If we just live life in a vacuum, what can happen is, well, everybody's against me. Everybody's just gathered up around me. I, 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 and what happens, we just get to this defensive posture. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, what they did is they focused their eyes on Jesus. They, they didn't hijack this verse and use it for themselves. But they said, look, look at Jesus. See, friends, as, as we come together right now, like where are our eyes fixed? See, here's what all of this is reminding us of. Uh, Daryl Bach, who's a commentator on this, he says, it is God's creation. And so God's lordship is the highest court of appeal. So the disciples pray for God's aid, not in destroying the enemy, but for their own role and mission in his world. Many times what we want is the suffering to end immediately. We want all the things to just kind of get back into order. But, but what they're praying for is, is not destroying the enemy, but their role and mission in this world. What is my role? What is my mission in this world? God, what do you want me to do? See, how do we understand the world around us? Will we see that God has placed us here? to have a role and and a mission in the world. What we see here are believers who who start by seeking God together through prayer, coming to God's word and saying, God, what do you want me to do? What am I here for? Why, Why am I here at this moment, in this time, in this season? What have you placed me here for? See, it starts by drawing near to God. Esau Macaulay was a theologian and he's really thinking about the things that are happening in our day. Here's what he says. He says, as the one beaten and bloody, Jesus reveals what humanity was designed to be. Strength and transformation do not come through the assertion of the will. Strength is the willingness to suffer and to be counted as weak, to be on the side of truth and love. For the Christian, we are not most human when we toss away our integrity to hold on to power or when we cower in silence. We are most human when we live completely in accord with the truth. What is the truth? It's the same question that Pontius Pilate asks asks Jesus as Jesus is standing before him. And Jesus is the one who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, truth was a problem then. It's a problem now. But we have a Lord and Savior who says, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. And friends, will we come to him and seek him? as Authentic Christians. 
What we see from them lastly is extraordinary resilience. Verses 29 through 31. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, how did they have the resilience they needed to face adversity? First, Verse 29, here's what they called themselves. Look upon the threats, Lord. Grant to your servants to continue to speak. They called themselves God's servants. They had this posture of God, you're in charge. I'm your servant. I'm here to, 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 to live out the role that you've given me in this world, Lord, give me strength to do that. Because I can't. Because what they say is grant to your servants. What is this granting? It is God's strength giving them the ability to do it because they couldn't do it on their own. They couldn't do it themselves. This is God's grace and strength. Later it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Why did they need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because they, they were probably filled before with fear and anger and, and, and just like anxieties. They needed to be filled with a strength that was not from themselves. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. See, how can you get verses like James 1, 2 through 4, like this? Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect. You may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. How do you say that? When you're filled with God's strength, not your own. When you're able to face challenges and trials that, again, you don't want or you don't ask for. Again, Os Guinness says this. He says, God's work must always be done in God's way to see results that are worthy of God's reality and greatness. We want to take things into our own hands. We want the power of the ring. We want to, we want to do it in our strength. But I just want you to know that that's, to have extraordinary resilience through difficult times. This is much different than what we've been brought up on and just saying, you know, just get those bootstraps. It's going to be on, on your ability, your strength. Pull yourself up. I think we're so beaten down right now in many ways. We're just like, we got to get to a place where we say, I can't. I can't, but God, you can. Please do that in my life. Please help me through this. Please give me the strength to keep going. So just some takeaways today. How do we live courageously with an authentic faith right now? Here's the first takeaway. Apply God's word. Apply God's word. Right, it's easy to just read God's word, know God's word, 
but but what this is is again taking it from out here and bringing it to here applying God's word. The early believers, here's what they were doing. They're actively applying God's word, his truth to their fear and uncertainty. See again, look at what they prayed. Sovereign Lord who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them. Why did they say this? Because they needed to be reminded that God is the one who created all things and he has all power. At that time, it wasn't the, 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 the Sanhedrin and the, the Pharisees and, and, and all those rulers that were at, at, in power, that were over them, that were th- throwing threats at them. They said, God, you're in charge. And they're applying this to their hearts. See, where do they get this? This idea, there's a book called Job. I don't know if you've read Job. It, it's, it's really... Um, it's really one of those books that you read through it and you're like, wow, this is really bad. A lot of bad things are happening to Job, right? Starts out good, but then it gets really bad and really difficult. And, and the whole time that the challenge was, is, is Job, does Job really love God? And he's in this test that he doesn't even know about. Right? Job doesn't have the privy information that the devil came to God and said, hey, let me test your servant Job because he really doesn't love you. He just loves the stuff you give him. He doesn't know that information. And so through the book of Job, he's losing all of this stuff and he's being told, curse God, deny God. But he says, no, I'm not going to do it. I love God. I just don't understand what's going on. He keeps asking God questions. And then there's this point in Job 38, 2 through 7, where God answers him, where God gives him an answer. Here's what he says. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you were understanding who determined its measurements. Surely you know. Do you catch like what God said? Like, tell me if you have understanding who determined its measurements. Surely, or who outstretched the, the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Friends, what, what is this doing? What does that scripture do? What is, what is, what is the, the early believers doing? They're taking their minds from here and putting it up here. They're taking it from, from what's happening down here to God, help us. I need your wisdom. If you have the wisdom to put the foundations of the earth together, then you have the wisdom to help me in my need right now. You got the power to put together this earth and everything that's that's going on in our, like just the fact that this world is still spinning and things are still happening and we're still here and I got breath in my lungs. God. Apply God's word. Take it and think upon it and bring it down to the heart level to say, okay, bring my thoughts from here and bring them up here, God, and help me to to, to keep moving forward. Next is see God's hand. 
Look at verse 28. They say, do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. You think God still has a plan? You think things still are are, are working to the good of those who love him according to his purposes? This is where we got to take the scriptures and say, okay, okay, here's what it says. God, your hand is still working even though it's hard for me to see it. It's really hard for me to see it. And just being honest about that and admitting that, but like, again, coming back to this this place of praying and saying, God, do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Lord, you got a plan. I'm going to trust that. And to see things in a God-centered lens. A God-centered lens. Help me to see things in a God-centered lens. It's hard for me right now. But last is to trust God's heart. It's to trust God's heart, right? So we apply God's word, we see God's hand, and we trust God's heart. Like God is with us. God is with us. And you know the presence that you need more than anything and the presence that I need more than anything? It's God's presence. It's God's presence. C.S. Lewis said this. He says, God knows our situation. He will not judge us as if we had no difficulties to overcome. What matters is the sincerity and the perseverance of our will to overcome them. Let's not act like everything is rosy right now. Let's not act like things are perfect. Right? We can be honest about things in our situation. And we need safe spaces to be able to talk about that and to pray about that, but to, to, to be at a place where we know that God knows the truth, right? God knows the truth. And we need God to shed light into our lives where we easily believe lies. Here's what Jesus told his disciples, and this is where I'm going to wrap up. And this is really for us bringing it to the gospel this morning, bringing it back to the good news of Jesus. Here's what it is. John 16, 31 through 33, Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone, for the Father is with me. I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus told his disciples, in me you may have peace. Can you imagine the amount of just fear that that it took for these disciples to leave their friend Jesus, to scatter them to their own home, to run away and cower in fear. He says, in this world, you will have tribulation. You're going to have trials. You're going to have things that, that as you process your faith in Jesus and you say, you know what? Here's what I believe, not because of me, but because of what God has shown me from his word. It's going to be hard. 
But he says, take heart. I have overcome the world. It's not going to be because you have been able to overcome all of the challenges that you faced. But it's that Jesus says, I have overcome it for you. And so I'm, I'm just challenging us this morning to take hope and to trust in a Jesus who says, I've overcome the world. I've overcome the challenges that you're facing. I'm enough for you today. Seek me, find me, look to me. And in me, find peace. Because you're not going to find peace in this world. But in Christ, you can find peace. Lord, give us peace. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray for your peace that's above the challenges and the trials that we face. That can only happen through the power of your Holy Spirit. It's really a supernatural power that comes into our lives because of what you're doing, God. These are challenging times right now. Very uncertain. Help us to... to Anchor ourselves in what is certain. And what is certain is what Christ has done for us. Let us find rest in that, peace in that, and let us be bold, not in our own ability or ideas or strength, but in what God is and what you call us to do, Lord, and how you call us to respond. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.